Acts chapter 3. There's a good chance at one time or another you've owned something that was beyond repair, something that couldn't be fixed, no matter how much you would have liked that to be fixed. Maybe it was a favorite pair of sneakers that no one could ever replace. They were your sneakers, your favorite sneakers. They had been with you for the whole school year and for the whole summer, and you had really actually started to love those sneakers. They were your favorite sneakers. They were the most comfortable shoes. You could wear them everywhere, and there's never going to be a shoe quite like those sneakers. Somehow they were comfy, yet you could also somehow jump really high, and at the same time, you looked really cool wearing those sneakers. But one day, your favorite shoes were showing that they were your favorite shoes, and they got really dirty. They had a weird mud spot on them, and they had duct tape in one place just to hold them together. They were muddy and smelly, and they were beyond being repaired. So one day, your mom said, we're throwing them away. Am I the only one? Maybe I'm crazy. But I know what it's like to have shoes that are beyond repair, that can't be replaced. And and somehow you can't find those same shoes anywhere else. They don't make them anymore, you find out. No matter how much you would like, there are some things in life that just can't be fixed. Maybe it's like a special thing that you own that's um, something that your grandma gave you and it falls off the shelf and it can't be fixed. Or maybe it's that prized possession that you made at school and your younger sibling breaks it and it has to be thrown away. It can't be fixed. An important message for us in the Bible that really comes up again and again is that we are in a situation that can't be fixed by ourselves. We're in a situation that we can't help ourselves out of. God helps us to see that we are in a place as sinners where we can do nothing to fix ourselves from our sin and from our guilt. We are sinners in our nature, the Bible tells us, and and there is no way to make ourselves right with God and to get rid of our sin on our own. Romans 3 tells us that we have all sinned and we all fall short of God's glory. And Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says that our works of righteousness cannot save us. We are in a situation beyond repair, all of us, because of sin. But the book of Acts is telling us again and again about the message of Jesus. It's telling us life-changing news, how the person of Jesus Christ alone has the power to fix what we can't fix on our own. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. And that message about Jesus is a life-changing, life-saving message for sinners who can't save themselves. Acts is telling us about the very earliest days of the church, how the church that we're a part of here even this morning, fellowshipping together, began. 
It was right after the time that Jesus was here on earth and he had died on the cross and he rose again from the grave and now he ascended into heaven. And now God was going to bring the message of good news about Jesus to the world. And that's what we see here in Acts chapter 3. God is bringing a message of good news for sinners to the world. God has a solution to powerfully save people who can't save themselves, for people who are beyond repair. He offers us a relationship with him that is restored and that is fixed through Jesus. For people who are in a situation beyond repair, who are broken by sin, people who are hopeless, God has a message of hope. He has a message for us. A big idea we see from this chapter this morning is that Jesus powerfully saves hopeless people. Jesus powerfully saves hopeless people. Jesus is God's solution for people who can't save themselves, who can't fix their sin problem and their guilt for their sin on their own. God sent Jesus to be the one who could give hope alone. Let's read this uh, Acts chapter 3 together. It says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. At what had happened to him. While he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us as if by our own power or piety we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, And Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, but put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses." And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. 
and faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Verse 19, Therefore, repent and return, so that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things, about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announce these days, It is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant, which God made with your father, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. For you first God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you give us your word. And that in your word, you show us hope. Hope in your son, Jesus Christ. We pray this morning that the hope of Jesus would fill our minds and our hearts. Maybe some of these students for the first time. Lord, help us to be amazed at Jesus Christ. We pray that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. This chapter tells us, about an amazing day in history where a man who had never walked was healed. This was power on display. And the power was not of these apostles called John and Peter. It was about the power of Jesus. These verses tell us about Jesus and what he did through these men. And this is a surprising story, and it's a story that ends up showing us to Jesus and the hope that is in Jesus. Let's look first at the miracle. That's the first part we could see here, and this is in verses 1 through 10. Our story here tells us in verse 1 about a miracle of Peter and John, these two apostles that had been with Jesus. And here they were in the beginning of this age of the church, and they were going to the temple one day. Not long before this, Jesus has gone to heaven. He has chosen this group of apostles, witnesses, to be uh, the true, to bring this true message about Jesus to the world. These men were going to bring the news about Jesus everywhere. And we're also introduced here, not just to Peter and John, but also in verse 2, to a man who had been unable to walk his entire life. Chapter 4, verse 22 tells us that this man uh, was more than 40 years old. He knew what it was like to not be able to walk. That's all he had ever known. That was his life. He was poor. He was forced to have to call to people to ask them for 
alms or for money, for their charity gifts. This was humiliating and this was hard. And yet he sat at something called the beautiful gate. One person says uh, he probably felt like his life was not so beautiful. I think that's a, an interesting observation. Though he sat at a beautiful place, his life was broken. He was helpless. He was in humiliation. This was a hard life. He was known to the people of Jerusalem as the man who could not be healed. No doctor could help him. Nobody could fix this problem. Obviously, he could not fix this problem. But in one of the most visible places of the city, God chose to do a miracle this day. God chose to heal this man. And this would be the kind of story, I think, that Acts tells us that people would remember for years and years to come. It's the kind of story that people would remember for their entire life. I remember my grandpa would tell me about the winter of 1949. Who was alive in 1949? Nobody. Yeah, no, nobody was, right? My grandpa would tell me about the winter of 40, 1949. And apparently that was a really bad winter where there was a lot of snow and blizzards. And it was almost as if he was saying, let me tell you about what happened. I was there. I remember it. This would be the kind of story that grandpas would tell their grandkids someday. I was in Jerusalem when the man was healed at the beautiful gate. It happened. I can tell you all about it. I saw it. And when Luke wrote this book, Acts, he went around and talked to eyewitnesses who saw these miracles with their own two eyes. Years later, he could talk to maybe even some grandpas about what happened that day. This was a miracle that everyone saw in the most visible place of the city. Luke wrote here that Peter and John did not have money to give, but Peter tells the beggar that in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he was to walk. What a surprising and a shocking thing to say. And Luke tells us in verse 7 what everyone did see at that moment. He says, seizing him by the right hand, Peter raised him up and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And with a leap, he stood up and began to walk, and he began leaping and walking and praising God. That man that everyone knew had never walked, walked. It was an undeniable act of God, a miracle. This was an amazing miracle, and behind it all was Jesus. This is the power of Jesus, and just a little picture of the power of Jesus. And it should make us ask, do we know the power of Jesus? Do you know that the Jesus, uh, do you know the Jesus that the Bible tells us about? Do you know the Jesus who has the power to even create this world, to create you? Do you know the Jesus that has the power over death, over sin, over darkness, over nature? Do you know the real Jesus that the Bible tells us about? 
Here was a picture, just a little picture of the real Jesus. And when we learn about who Jesus really is with all of his power, it shows us just how much we should love and worship and adore and bow to Jesus. The Bible tells us Jesus is the powerful Lord of lords. This was a work of Jesus, working through his apostles. So we've seen this miracle, but next let's look at the meaning. And this is in verses 11 through 18. What was the meaning of this surprising miracle that day? Well, verse 11 tells us everyone around the temple, including the man who can now walk, is running and crowding in around Peter and John and the man who is healed. And they're wondering, what just happened? What is this about? Look at what Peter says in verse 12. Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us as if by our own power or piety we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant, Jesus. What was this miracle all about? We've already kind of talked about it. It was about Jesus. During this time of the Bible and in history at the beginning of the church, God was using miracles and wonders just for a short time at the beginning of the church through apostles to show that he was behind what was happening. This miracle was a sign from the one true God that was here to point everyone to the powerful person, Jesus. Anyone here an In-N-Out fan? Yeah, right? In-N-Out? Yeah, I love In-N-Out. But you know what I love about In-N-Out? You go to those, you go to those uh, maybe you're like on the, the freeway and you see the sign for In-N-Out. And the sign for In-N-Out is like the best fast food sign because it has a big arrow on it. And it's saying, turn in here at this exit and come to In-N-Out. I love the one here on Roscoe Boulevard. It has like the flashing lights on it even. And it's like every time I drive by it, I think it's just saying, come, get a double-double. Come, get a shake. Well, this miracle was a sign, obviously from God, that was here saying, look at Jesus. See Jesus. Turn in and see that Jesus really was from God. He really was God's Messiah. He was the meaning of this miracle. The Jesus that the nation here had just rejected. So many of the people in Jerusalem that day had turned on Jesus. They had gladly seen Jesus be put to death on the cross. Verse 13, though Jesus was God's servant, they had given him up to Pilate to put Jesus on the cross. Verse 14, though Jesus was clearly known as holy and righteous, they had treated him as a criminal. Verse 15, though Jesus is the prince of life, they had put him to death. They had messed things up totally by rejecting Jesus. They had been wrong about Jesus. And even though they had been ignorant and, and they didn't know fully about Jesus, they were missing and had missed 
who Jesus was. And so they were guilty of rejecting God's own son. The same can go for us too. We can really mess things up. In fact, we really have messed things up because of our sin. If we don't worship and love and honor Jesus, which none of us does that on our own. In fact, the Bible says that before Christ, we are all hostile to God. We are like bitter enemies, whether we know it or not. And there's a warning for us here that we would miss the amazing person of Jesus who was sent to us from God so that things could be fixed, so that our sin could be dealt with. Don't miss out on God's son, Jesus, who God sent to be our savior. Don't go on in your life living as an enemy of God, snubbing Jesus. It's so possible that you would. The people of Israel at this time had snubbed Jesus and they had snubbed God. They acted as enemies of God, which is a terrible place to be. The Bible is clear that because of our sin, we are enemies of God. It's a terrible place to be. But here in this passage is hope. And and let's last look at number three, the message. We've seen the meaning that it points us to Jesus. But here, look at the message. And this is in the end of these verses in verse 19 through 26. Peter had a message of good news for the people that had acted as enemies of God by rejecting his son. He had a message for people who had gotten it wrong and who had mocked Jesus and had killed Jesus. He had a message from God for for people that were enemies of God. And it's not that they could try to fix things on their own. It's not that they could just say, God, maybe you'll just forget my sin and that'll be okay. And we'll be right, okay? No, there was no way they could fix their sin against God on their own. To them, it probably at this point even may have felt like their relationship with God was done forever. They had messed it up. Things were over. Beyond repair in our relationship with God. To be responsible for disobeying God is a scary place to be. And the truth is all of us have been responsible for disobeying, dishonoring, sinning against God. And that's a scary place to be because that means we can face God's judgment for our sin. But listen to this message in verse 19. Peter says to them, Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away. There is hope. There is a way to have a relationship made right with God again. There is a way for a time of refreshing to come in the presence of the Lord. God made a way for their awful sin to be taken away. And not just to be kind of ignored or swept under the rug. God made a way for these people's sin to be blotted out, wiped away forever. At a time when nothing else could fix their sin, God 
made a way for their sin problem to be fixed. Those words, therefore, sin being wiped away, could even, like, I think, remind us of a teacher who has a whiteboard full of notes for algebra. Does anybody take algebra yet? Yeah. Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. It's like the worst kind of whiteboard to see, right? All marked up with black and red expo markers with math problems. You. But what happens when that teacher takes an eraser and totally clears off that board? You're like, thank goodness. Yeah, you could clap for it. Well, listen to this. God is saying here that he has made a way for your sin to be totally, completely erased. Every mark of sin removed, washed white as snow, clean. And the only way for them to have that sin removed was through a work that God did. God had sent Jesus, his servant, his holy and righteous servant, to come and to suffer and to die in the place of sinners so that sinners could be forgiven and could be made free. God wanted his people here to listen to Jesus. There's a lot of verses here and a lot of theology and a lot of details that could be kind of confusing in this last section, but I think maybe what we could say stands out the most is that God is telling us, listen to Jesus. Listen to the message about Jesus that tells you about how you can have your sins wiped away. How can you have your sins wiped away? Verse 19 says it's that you would repent and re- return. And that's the same message for us this morning, not just for the people long ago. I think uh, sometimes it's easy to think of other people, maybe uh, somebody whose life is really messed up and hopeless uh, because of their sin, as somebody who's like in that category as needing a savior. The Bible tells us we are all in that hopeless and needy spot beyond repair in our own work because of our sin against God. And for anyone who is an enemy of God, because you are a sinner, God invites you to come to him, to repent and to believe in Christ and what he did in your place and be saved. God is offering to erase your sins from his sight if you would repent and believe. What does that look like? Well, repentance means to turn away from sin. And it's a turning away from sin to something. You look back at your sin and you hate it. And now you look to Jesus for forgiveness and for mercy. You return to God. You're turning and trusting in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross once for all. Hopeless sinners can be saved. And you know, this is not just the only chapter of the Bible that tells us this. It comes up again and again and again. In fact, I feel like I've said this again and again and again. But you may be here and you may not know this truth. 
If you don't know this truth about Jesus, if you don't know that if you can come to him, you will be saved, you need to hear it again this morning. Even if you've heard it a thousand times, don't snub Jesus. Don't reject Jesus. Come to Jesus. Repent. Believe in Jesus. Be saved by Jesus and what he did apart from your works. That's what this chapter is about. A Jesus who is powerful and who can save sinners. You know, if you ask anyone who is a Christian, and if you're a Christian here this morning, you can agree with me on this. They would tell you their testimony is this. I was broken by my sin beyond repair. There was nothing I could do to fix my sin against God and to have my relationship made right with him. But there is one person who can make your relationship right with God. There is one person who can fix things with God. There is one person who can bring refreshing, who can bring blessing. There's one person who can bring forgiveness of sins. And that one person is Jesus Christ. Amen? Father, thank you for giving us your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we think about the people that heard uh, this message long ago. Lord, we don't know how they all responded, but we do know how we should respond, how you call us to respond this morning. Lord, may all of us believe in your son, Jesus Christ, in order to be saved. Thank you that you entered this world to save hopeless sinners and give them everlasting life, forgiveness of sins, and joy with you forevermore. We worship you this morning, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.